let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Lilienthal, and as we continue the Lent season, we are coming now to the third Sunday in Lent, uh, known as Oculi, according to the uh, the Latin designation, which comes from uh, the uh, the introit. Oculi means eyes. Uh, the introit for this Sunday says, "My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He shall pluck my feet out of the net." To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and afflicted. I want you to notice right off the bat that we've got this same continuing theme going through this uh, of that uh, affliction, of that pain, but also turning towards God and relying on his mercy. And here it's, it's getting even more confident. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. It starts out with that, that confidence that God will hear, that God will answer this plea uh, for help, that God does provide his his mercy and uh, and rescue. Uh, I want to tag right on the end of that intro with uh, uh, the, um, the collect for the day. It's collect number 44 on page 153 in the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary. Uh, and that uh, that says, We beseech you, Almighty God, look upon the hearty desires of your humble servants and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to be our defense against all our enemies through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Um, we still have uh, this petitioning for, for God's God's rescue coming in here. Um we we know that he is going to provide that that salvation and uh it's it's interesting that in the intro we say our eyes are looking upon god and then in the collect we're asking god to look upon us and upon our our desires it's uh the the eyes are our key for oculi sunday quite appropriately <laughs> um uh so yes the third sunday in lent oculi focus on on the eyes here uh and on um what we see when we look toward god and what god sees when he looks toward us uh, we'll we'll see how that uh, continues to bear through as we go into the readings for the third Sunday in Lent. First, uh, looking at the epistle lesson, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, be imitators of God as his dearly loved children, and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But do not let sexual immorality, any kind of impurity or greed even be mentioned among you as is proper for saints. Obscenity, Foolish talk and coarse joking are also out of place. Instead, give thanks. Certainly, you are aware of this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ, who is God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. It is because of these things that the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. So do not share in what they do. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness. Right away, this epistle lesson has uh, Paul exhorting his hearers and his readers to be imitators of God as his dearly loved children. That's, I mean, that's how, how children behave toward parents. They learn by imitating, by, by doing what they see. And here the eyes are, are key once again. It's, not, it's implied uh, in, in this uh, epistle lesson that the eyes are part of this. We, we do what we see in God. And it begins with the seeing of God's promises and the, the certainty that God keeps his promises. And therefore, when we see that, we watch him, especially we watch Christ and what he has done for us, and we imitate that. Because what he has done for us has given us life. We are his children that way. 
Uh, there are some commandments in here uh, about sexual morality, impurity, greed, and so forth. Uh, keep all those things away. Um, don't share in the sons of disobedience what they do. Uh, but instead, now notice that you are light. Again, uh, the idea of eyes is implicit here with light. What you see is light. You can't see darkness, but you can see light. And so if we are light in the Lord, well, then he can look upon us and see his own glory, his own righteousness uh, reflected in us. Uh, and so being light in the Lord, we walk as children of light. And that consists in us imitating God, imitating Christ, imitating what he has done for us, receiving what he has done for us, and then reciprocating. Not exactly reciprocating, but, you know, serving God and serving our neighbor in the same sort of love that we have received. Uh, so again, this, this idea of looking, looking at the promises that are fulfilled and looking at the example so that we can, can walk in that same example again. Moving on to the uh, gospel lesson, it's from Luke eleven fourteen through 20. Jesus drove out a demon, which was mute. After the demon had gone out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said he drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Others, others were testing him by demanding of him a sign from heaven. But he knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? You say that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. But if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? So they will be your judges. Yet if I drive out demons by the finger of God then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and defeats him, he takes away that man's full armor in which he trusted and divides up his plunder. The one who is not with me is against me. The one who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but does not find any. Then it says, I will return to my house, the one I left. When it returns, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and dwell there. The last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. While he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The idea of eyes here should um, continue to spread into all the senses, and, and hearing is, is one of the main ones. Um, I think there's a quote from Martin Luther that he said, ears are the only organ of a Christian. Uh, what he meant by that was, we are purely recipients of God's word. We only listen. Ears are the only organs of a Christian. We, we hear what God has to say to us, and we receive it um, uh, through the, the preaching of it. So, uh, looking at God, looking at his promises, means hearing those promises, listening to the word of God. Uh, these, these people who are against him, uh, saying that he drove out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons, uh, they were looking, but they weren't actually looking. They, weren't, they, they were looking, but they weren't listening. They, they weren't paying attention to all of the signs uh, that showed that Jesus was truly the Christ, the Messiah. Instead, they were looking for a way to interpret it the way they wanted to. Um, and, you know, on the surface of it, yeah, this guy's commanding demons. Well, he's a commander of demons, so he's the ruler of the demons, or he's working with the ruler of the demons, right? It seems to make sense. But uh, Jesus, uh, of course, quiets them down and says, 
am I actually winning any battles here for for Satan by by removing demons from those that uh, he's possessing? Um, no, pay pay closer attention and listen to the words of Christ. Hear the word of God and keep it. And that uh, that goes to the the two things that we do there as well. We hear, uh, receive that that word, and then we we keep it, hold on to it tightly, and and also obey it and and follow the example as that Ephesians passage had uh, had us do. Um, there's this uh, bit in the middle of this text as well, talking about um, the the depiction of uh, driving a, a demon out, um, and. Uh, that uh, when a uh, when a demon is is driven out, uh, Jesus, the strong man, the stronger man, uh, defeats him, uh, drives that demon out, and takes the place for himself. But if that place is empty, that uh, that house is is empty and doesn't hear the word of God, doesn't keep it. Well, then it's it's primed and ready for demons to come back and for it to be even worse than before. So continue to hear the word of God. Continue to look to God's promises. Otherwise, we are worse off than when we started. Again, think of this Lenten. We're wandering through the wilderness. Of course, on Sundays, we're at an oasis here. But uh, that oasis should be a reminder to us that we need to be nourished on this journey, on this journey of our, our lives in this time of grace. It's called a time of grace because it's a time of opportunity for us to receive God's grace through the means of grace. So go where his grace is to be found in uh, in these oases. Go to the word that nourishes us, that, that keeps the demons at bay. Go to baptism where you were baptized in those waters. Return in repentance and see once again how the old Adam is drowned and the new man rises in Christ's image. Go to the Lord's Supper. Eat Christ's flesh. Drink his blood. That is true nourishment for your souls on this journey. Uh, that that keeps you alive and, and keeps Satan and his ilk away uh, and, and keeps them out. Um, so that's uh, that's the gospel lesson. Uh, going on then to the Old Testament lesson from the Old Testament lectionary, we're looking now at Exodus 32, 1 through 14. Um, still in the, the book of Exodus, and this text is, uh, well, I'll, I'll let it speak for itself, and then I'll, I'll analyze it a little bit and, and discuss some of what it uh, what it's talking about. This um, I came across this text once uh, when I was a uh, seminary student and I was uh, out preaching at a, a church filling in for a pastor who was absent and I was teaching a Bible study afterward as well and they were working their way through the book of Exodus and they were on chapter 32 uh, and uh, I, I learned more about this chapter at that time teaching that uh, that Bible study than, uh, than ever before and uh, it's, well, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, Exodus 32, uh, verses 1 through 14. When the people saw that it took so long for Moses to come down from the mountain, the people gathered around Aaron and said to him, Get up, make a god for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to him, Pull off the gold earrings from your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people pulled off their gold earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and shaped it with an engraving tool and made it into a bull calf cast out of metal. Then they said, This is your God, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it, and Aaron made a proclamation. He said, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. They got up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought fellowship offerings. Then the people sat down to eat and to drink and got up to celebrate wildly. 
the Lord told Moses, hurry down, because your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned from the way which I commanded them. They have made a calf for themselves out of metal and have worshipped it. They have sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen these people, and they certainly are stiff-necked people. So now leave me alone, so that my anger can burn hot against them, so that I may consume them and make you into a great nation. Moses begged the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out for an evil purpose, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn back from your fierce anger and change your mind about inflicting disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. You said to them, I will multiply your seed like the stars of the sky, and I will give all this land that I have spoken about to your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. Then the Lord changed his mind about the disaster which he said he would inflict on his people. Again, another uh, familiar account here. Uh, probably you, you can picture this if you've seen the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston uh, as the, the people built this, this golden calf and danced around it and feasted. And uh, th- that film did a pretty good job of depicting some of the, the revelries that might have been going on here. There are a couple of interesting features of this text that I want to highlight here. First of all, um, the people recognize they need a God that they can see. That's what they want anyway. They want a God that they can see, that they can... Uh, touch with their hands that they uh, they don't see Moses anymore. It took a long time for him to come down from the mountain. It says uh, he was up there talking to God because you know they were too afraid to go to the mountain themselves. It was full of lightning and thunder and fire and um, very terrifying. Presumably, uh, some of that was still going on up on top of the mountain, but they thought, well, God's not coming down. We need to build build our own God. But they weren't just building any old god. Um, they were building the the Lord, is what they said. Aaron, in verse 5, says, Tomorrow shall be a festival to the Lord. In our English translations, uh, you see Lord written in uh, small capital letters. Uh, capital L, then small capital O, small capital R, small capital D. Uh, when, when it's written like that in the Old Testament, that indicates that the Hebrew uh, that's used there is the name of God, Yahweh. Uh, that uh, historically the, the Jews would not say the name of God, and so um, they, they instead said Adonai, which is the word for Lord, uh, and, and they would put those, those vowel symbols around the, the consonant letters for, for Lord. Um, and so when they read it, they would see God's name, but they would say Lord, so as not to take God's name in vain. Um, and that tradition kind of carried over into our English versions as well. We say Lord, but we know what's written there is God's name. So what Aaron is saying here is we're going to worship the true God, but we're going to say this golden calf is the true God, um, which which highlights some more, some more about uh, what idolatry really is. Idolatry isn't always just, well, I'm just, I don't like that God, so I'm going to make a different one. <laughs> it, it's not quite so crude. Uh, idolatry is a little more, it, it involves a little more finesse. Uh, and uh, some more mental gymnastics, let's say. Uh, What Israel was doing was not saying, well, the God who took us out of Egypt isn't real, and we want a different one. What they were saying was, we want the God who took us out of Egypt to form himself into a palatable form for us. We want him to be something that we can 
comprehend. We want him to be something that is molded to our will. And so they asked Aaron to build this statue for them. Uh, they would have been familiar with statues of, of gods in Egypt, uh, most of them in the shape of animals or animals mixed with humans or animals mixed with other animals. Um, and uh, so that's what they're they're designing here is, is a, a false god, but they want to believe that it's the true God, that it is the God who took them out of Egypt. These people all witnessed the miracle of the Red Sea. They all witnessed the plagues. They all saw the fiery pillar and the, the pillar of, of smoke. Uh, and they knew that that God was real, but they wanted to make him a God that they could get their hands around. They, they wanted to worship that God the way they wanted to worship him. They were sick of waiting. Uh, which, of course, here's another uh, 40 here. Moses was up on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights uh, before coming back down. Uh, so they were they were waiting, looking for God, They but they couldn't see him. Instead, they, they wanted to build something they could build, they, they, they could see. And this is the, the warning for us that uh, when we're looking for God, don't try to invent him wherever we want to find him. Uh, this is this is very common. Everybody everybody does it. Uh, I, I'd have to confess that I do it as well. Uh, that when I, when God isn't doing what I want Him to do, I start to try to to formulate some way that uh, I can believe that He does what I want Him to do, uh, and and I can start to convince myself that He's made promises that He hasn't made instead of saying, no, these are the promises that God has made, and I should look to those. My eyes should look to the promises God has made for his rescue. And even when it doesn't look like those are being fulfilled, know that they will be. Know that they are being fulfilled and they have been fulfilled in Christ. Uh, and, and trust in, in what God says rather than what I want. God speaks to Moses then after this and, and you know, without uh, letting Moses go down and see, he, he says what, what's happened because, of course, he's the true God. He sees what's what's happened to them and so he's ready to destroy them. Moses intercedes for them, and what does Moses do? He doesn't try to make up some excuse. He doesn't try to take God's uh, offer to, to turn him into a great nation and say, yeah, that sounds good. Get rid of these people who are causing me so much trouble and, and just give, give the promise to me. Instead, what Moses does is he turns and looks back again at the promises God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Remember, A's uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self. He points out what God has said. The people of Israel were looking for what they wanted God to say. Moses points out what God has actually said. It's it's a, a foil to what Israel had done. And in that, uh, in that promise, that averts God's wrath. We see that result coming here. Uh, the promise of God averts God's wrath. So this is, this is a very powerful Old Testament text. Um, it has a great deal of significance. It's going to be hard when I, when I preach on this text not to, to go on for 15 minutes on each verse. <laughs> um, if I were Luther, I could get away with that sort of thing. But, um, but no, I won't, I won't burden people by making them sit uh, that long for a, for a sermon here. Um, but yeah, so that's the Old Testament lesson. Um, the, the Psalm for the third Sunday in Lent is Psalm 123, and uh, that psalm is not printed uh, in in the hymnary. Psalm 123 is, is not available there. The, the psalm on either side of it is. Uh, psalm 122, of course, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That one should sound pretty familiar. And the one after that, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, 
Let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive when their wrath was kindled against us. Again, it's talking about the um, the deliverance of God there. Um, what I'm going to instead do is go one before Psalm 122 to Psalm 121. Uh, Psalm 121 is according to tone two, and so I'm going to sing the first verse here. Uh, let me see if you can tell uh, why why I picked picked that uh, that psalm. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. Yeah, makes sense. A little too on the nose, you think? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, no, uh, Psalm 121 uh, does have this uh, this um, lifting up the eyes to the, the hills, the eyes looking for God and, and relying on God's promises. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of shalls in here. After my help comes from the Lord, uh, then he will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. And then he shall neither slumber nor sleep. Uh, the sun shall not strike you by day. The Lord shall preserve you. He shall preserve your soul. He shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Uh, the promises of God are given center stage in this psalm. Uh, so that's why uh, why that one is uh, Absolutely appropriate for this Sunday, uh, even though we don't have uh, Psalm 123, 122 is absolutely. Looking at uh, hymns, the chief hymn appointed for uh, the third Sunday in Lent is, uh, it's it's not in the, the Lent section, uh, it's it's in the uh, invocation section of the hymnary. It's hymn number 18, very early on. It's a, a Luther hymn, uh, and it's uh, four verses long, and it's, it's Trinitarian. Uh, the first verse is God the Father, the second verse, Jesus Christ. The third verse, Holy Ghost, and the fourth verse, Triune God. Uh, and each verse uh, says, God the Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Ghost, Triune God. Then it goes, Be our stay, O let us perish never. Cause us from our sin, cleanse us from our sins, we pray, and grant us life forever. Keep us from the evil one, uphold our faith most holy. Grant us to trust thee solely with humble hearts and lowly. Let us put God's armor on with all true Christians running our heavenly race and shunning the devil's wiles and cunning. Amen, amen, this be done. So sing we, alleluia. And you might be a little surprised there that uh, a, a hymn that includes alleluia is a chief hymn in a Lent season. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's okay, it's in a hymn, it's not in the liturgy. No, uh, but uh, the, the point here is the certainty of God's salvation, the certainty of God keeping his promises. As we pray in these, this way, we petition for God to keep us from perishing, forgive our sins, give us life, protect us from the devil, strengthen our faith, uh, and keep us close to him, close to God. Uh, and then we, we say of ourselves, let us put God's armor on. Uh, because as we're looking to God for these promises, we and, and looking to God at, at the, the fulfillment of those promises and what he gives us, we receive that armor and we can dress ourselves like God uh, as, as warriors ready for, for that war. Uh, so that's um, absolutely perfectly appropriate for this Sunday. And so, yes, it will be the, the chief hymn. Now, we will be following uh, right two. Uh, so we'll need an opening hymn, a communion hymn, uh, a hymn of thanksgiving, and a closing hymn uh, for for this Sunday. I'm going to look briefly here at uh, what uh, Lent three hymns are. I've been told are familiar to uh, our Savior, and there is one. There is one hymn that uh, that is is familiar to to the people of our Saviors, and that's hymn two fifty nine. It's a seven verse hymn uh, it's, uh, by Kingo. It's the Kingdom Satan Founded, um, and uh, it's it. 
quite a great first line there. The kingdom Satan founded. Well, it's it's being overthrown is is the point here. Um, so as this kingdom of God is being uh, overthrown, uh, we see uh, that uh, that Jesus hears us. That Satan is continuing to fight against us, but uh, but God gives us the the healing salve and the the comfort. Uh, it being seven verses, it, it lends itself to, to division and uh, a section of four verses and a section of three verses. Uh, and I think that's exactly what I'm going to do. The hymn of thanks will be 259 verses one through four. And then the closing hymn will be 259 um, verses five through seven. Um, for the communion hymn this Sunday, we'll, we'll sing hymn 313, that one that's, uh, that's kind of a favorite uh, at our Savior's. Uh, so we'll get that we'll get that in right away. Um, in uh, in this this service uh, and for the opening hymn, uh, we already have hymn eighteen as um, an invocation hymn itself. Uh, I hesitate to go back to the invocation section uh, for for another one, but um, it it might it might work out. Actually, hymn number four would serve quite well here. Uh, in Jesus' name. I've talked about hymn number four before. I know I've, I've picked it, but it's uh, it's it's one that's very traditional for um, Scandinavian Lutherans uh, to sing. Um, that uh, we have in Jesus' name, our work must all be done if it shall compass our true good and aim. So looking at Jesus' name for the work that we do, um, but it goes on to praising God in Jesus' name and living and dying in Jesus' name. Uh, we we see we uh, the the last verse ends. We shall see him face to face and live with him in paradise. Speaking of of uh, our our death at last or on the last day, um, it is actually talking about the last day when we rise from our graves um, and see Jesus again. So the the eyes that are looking at God uh, and looking to His promises and His mercies uh, are going to be looking that direction all the way until the last day uh, and then on the last day we will be in his presence looking at him. I, I want to run through what uh, Rite 2 looks like in this uh, this Lenten season uh, for the third Sunday in Lent. Um, we'll open with that hymn, hymn number four. That's the first thing we'll do. Then we sing the invocation. We have the confession of sin with a few sung portions uh, in the midst of it. Uh, the intro, it follows the confession of sin uh, concluding with the Gloria Patri. We do the Kyrie eleison, and uh, in in the Lenten season, there is a second option for the Kyrie eleison that retains the the Greek, uh, and is actually much older in tradition than uh, the simple triple Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. That's the the triple Kyrie, um, but uh, the older form is is um, a set of nine uh, have mercies, and that's what this this old form has in option number two on page sixty three in the Evangelical Lutheran Hymnary. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. So we we get that that set of nine, and that this this Lenten season is all about asking God for for His mercy and and looking at God for those promises again. Uh, we skip the Gloria and Excelsis and go straight then to the salutation after the Kyrie. We sing the Collect. Then we have a, a lesson followed by the psalm, then the epistle. Uh, then the uh, the Alleluia is silenced, and instead it says uh, on page 67, in Lent the following sentence shall be sung instead of the Alleluia. And this is the sentence that I was referring to at the beginning of this 
Lenten season, the first uh, podcast episode about Lent uh, with uh, Bishop Lockie's book, he had this sentence written up at the top uh, before his uh, his explanation of the Lenten season. Uh, and it, it's, it's sung like this. Christ has humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Somber sounding, uh, rem- remembering what Christ has done, looking, uh, again, this is all about looking at God's promises. And where are God's promises more fully fulfilled than in Christ himself? That's what we see. Uh, then the gospel lesson is read. The Nicene Creed is confessed. Uh, the chief hymn is sung, hymn 18. The sermon is preached. The offertory verse is sung, followed by the offering. The prayer of the church. Instead of the prayer of the church, we go straight to the litany on page 137. Uh, and then following the litany, we go to the service of Holy Communion with the preface, the proper preface, uh, the sanctus, the exhortation, the Lord's Prayer, the words of institution, the Pax Domini, the Agnus Dei, the distribution hymn, hymn 313, the Nunc Dimittis following that, and the Collect of Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, there are two options for the Collect of Thanksgiving, uh, and we're going to use the second option there for uh, for this season. Um, it, it's as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Uh, and then the, the prayer is... Uh, focusing on the gifts that we have received in the sacrament and begging God to keep the promises that he has given in that sacrament as well. Then we sing the hymn of thanks, uh, that 259 again, we'll start that off. Uh, salutation, benedictus, benediction, and closing hymn 259, the last three verses. Uh, so it's a, it's a, a very, um, uh, the, the intensity of Lent is growing as we get to this point, uh, but it's, it's also growing more hopeful because we continue to see that dawn of Easter on the horizon as we, we journey closer to uh, that empty tomb. Uh, and again, that's the focus. We're going we're gonna to go through the cross, and we're, we're bearing that cross as we wander in our lives right now as well. We bear the cross that God has given to us, but it's all aiming right towards where Christ's life on earth ended, and that was the empty tomb. He rose from that tomb, and that's the foundation of our lives as well. And it's the guarantee of all God's promises that they are absolutely fulfilled. And therefore, we can trust that he will keep all of his promises from here on out. We have no reason to doubt whatsoever. You can find this show and information about it and contact it at uh, tapestryradio.org slash lordshouse. You can find Our Savior's Lutheran Church at oursaviorsels.com. Uh, and you can get in touch with me on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Please continue to reach out to discuss uh, features on the show, uh, ask questions, give your comments. Uh, if you have insights that maybe I've missed about these things, share those as well. I'd love to, to discuss those on the show uh, as, as well. So until we meet again, peace be within you. Obscurantism and Obfuscation, 
orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.